Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. At Kroger, everyone wins when it comes to saving big. Because when you order online through the Kroger app, you get the same great prices, deals, and rewards on pickup or delivery that you do in-store with no hidden fees or markups. Best of all, you'll know when items in your cart have a coupon, so you never miss a deal. So whether you're a delivery lover, picker-upper, or you shop in-store, no matter how you shop, you'll always save big at Kroger. Kroger, fresh for everyone. It's time for the Death Lineup, your Golden State Warriors podcast on the BSPN Network. Brian is here with me in the dark. The, the, light, the, lighting, is, uh, the lighting is not great today. <laughs> I just called him out. I called him out on it. He wasn't expecting it. Shots fired. Okay, so we're going to talk a little bit about What's going on in Warriors Warriors world, which I think the last thing that uh, came out was Steve Kerr on the Draymond Green podcast. And there's a specific quote that we're going to talk about here in a second (laughs) that he made. The NBA Finals is is ongoing. Uh, Game four is uh, is Friday or Saturday. I have no clue. I would think tomorrow. I'll look it up while, while we're chatting. Game four is upcoming. Um, and then we're going to talk about another one of Bry. It is it is on Friday. Another one of Bryce fits for the a possible fit for the Golden State Warriors in the 2023 NBA draft. But I think we should probably start with the Draymond Green podcast. By the way, did you listen to it? I did. I did. Uh, you you put that on the uh, agenda, and I was like, oh, well, I haven't watched Game 2 of the Finals, and I don't feel like I should be listening to the Draymond show because it's with Kerr about Game 2 of the Finals. Um, so, so, But I was able to do both today. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Game 2 was... Game 2 was pretty interesting because Game 1 was all about Denver just being, like, the better team. You know, Miami's tired. And then game two, it sort of felt that way. It was like, okay, Miami's fighting back a little bit, but Denver's still in control. And then all of a sudden, they just did what the Heat have done all yeah. postseason, and they turned it on. But then game three, back to you know, sort of what game one was, and even a better performance by Denver. So we'll see what happens on Friday because the Heat, you know, at home, they ha- this is kind of a must-win for them because yeah. go back to Denver – with possible elimination, that sounds like bad news. So they got to get a W here yeah, on Friday. It, it feels like it feels like this playoffs has been very like what you think is a must win for some reason hasn't always been a must win. And I also think that like right when you count the Miami Heat out, like after game one, everyone was like, okay, yeah, this series is five, 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 five at max. Denver was like looked like better than Miami, mm-hmm. and then Miami wins game two, and the narrative shifts. Like, oh my goodness, does Miami have a chance? And then, well, I, three, did you I'm- listen to Simmons with Rajabell? No, no. Okay, so 
That's probably a podcast that you need to listen to within the context of game two, because if you kind of think about it in the context of game three, like you're like, did they really need to push the panic button here on Denver? They didn't really push the panic button, but what they did was they talked about the heat toughness and how Denver didn't have anybody who was willing to kind of, you know, get in their face a little bit and not be pushed around. And then in game three, Denver just rolls them over. So I, it was an overreaction, but that's what we do, right? We react to the game. We cannot tell the the future, so we react to the game that we just saw. And that was one of the sticking points of that game. Is like, man, you know, this, you know, Miami sort of follows the the toughness of their leader, and he's barking at people and and stuff. And you know, on the other team, you want to see them bounce back. But uh, honestly. I was just hoping for more of that because my entire thing about the series, and I think you said seven, I said six, I'm hoping for seven. Like I would love to see this thing go seven, but my hope is that Miami does more of that stuff and it affects Denver, but in two out of the three games, and and maybe you could say two and a half out of the three games, it really hasn't truly affected Denver because they're just so much more talented. Yeah. I just, I just think that, with Miami, like I bet 95% of us have continued to underestimate them and, and, and not, you know, pick them to win series, which is fair because man, they were the eighth seed. I bet you, you know, I don't think we have your takes on record, but I bet you when we started the season or started the series, you had bucks, but Giannis goes, down. Oh, yeah, you, had, you probably had bucks. Did you have Knicks? Cause I had Knicks. I don't, you know, I don't remember what we did. Cause we kind of did it really quickly at the end of one of our shows. I don't yeah. remember, and, honestly. And then Boston, like, I'm sure you had, I think you'd had Boston. I, I had. Boston. I still think Boston is the best team in the East. Exactly. And and my point is, is like, yeah, Miami won all three of those series. So I just didn't want to like, I, I, I feel like picking seven was like the best way for me to like give them respect <laughs> and, and, and not continue to like disrespect them and pick against them and, yeah. and it was watch them win the whole thing again. But I just feel like I'm, I'm trying to find like what it is in Miami that like, I'm just underestimating. I think after, the Celtics series, I was like, well, is it the fact that like we have to think of Caleb Martin? I think Caleb is on Miami. Cody's on, on Charlotte. Right. One of the, right. What the Martin brother? Like we have to like think of him now as like a $27 million player per year. And that doesn't really feel like the case anymore. It's like it was just this once in a yeah. once in a lifetime series for him. And in this series, he's just completely not been that Boston player. Um yeah, different there's a lot of different questions about Boston in there uh defensively, but you know, I just think that. I think that every time we go, yeah, Miami's done. They just like put something together. Yeah, I want to see them. I, I'm not saying that this series is over. I just, I think Denver is the more talented team. And, you know, over the stretch of seven games, it would seem like the talented team would win. But Boston was the more talented team. The Bucks were the more talented team. I think, you know, coin flip. I would you you could say Miami was the more talented team than than the Knicks, but that you know you that's why the series of seven games. If it's a one game or if this is the NCAA Final Four, then it's much easier to say, oh yeah, you know, a team could get hot and steal a game. But the seven game series, that's what's so incredible about what Miami has done so far. Is usually through that seven game series, you can you know you really pull away with who's the more talented, who's the better team. Uh, but let's get into this Draymond stuff because I find Draymond's uh, his his learnings from what he's watching to be really fascinating because he thinks at an entirely different level. Um, 
you know, sometimes he gets a little bit too into the, you know, I want to teach you the game so that we can have higher level discussions of basketball. And some of his stuff is, is really common sense, but some of it is really deep and detailed. And I, I really like some of the stuff w- with Steve Kerr. And we'll get to the quote that I want to get to that I think all of Warriors uh, land is is interested in in talking about. But what about the part where he was saying that when Steve, t- you know, when Steve took the Warriors to their first final, Steve basically told them, like, you know, this is a different thing altogether because now you're going to have more people that you need to kind of pay attention to. You're in the finals. Your focus is is on this series, but you have so much stuff from the outside that is taking up your time. And he said, Draymond said, we saw that with Boston, and we kind of let that game slip away. And what I immediately thought was, if they don't let game one slip away, is that series like Dunzo in four games? Like that's in the back of my mind. That's what I was wondering. Now, you know, Boston again, really talented team, but that's not something that you or I would think about when it comes to the finals. Like when you do your preview in your preview is not, well, Jokic has never been to the finals and he has 27 relatives who are going to be asking for tickets and people asking where they're going to stay. And he's got to like handle all like, that's not something that I think about. So that's what I found very interesting because, you know, Steve has nine rings, right? He's He's been there so much, and he kind of makes fun of Draymond for only having four. Not makes fun of him, but it was kind of teasing him. But, yeah, that's just stuff that I never would think about. And so that's some interesting analysis that you get on something like the Draymond Green show. Yeah, I think that all of that, like, logistics stuff that has nothing to do with basketball, I feel like we all just kind of, like, group it into the term of, you know, you know, not giving a team the edge because they've never been there before. I feel like it's all just kind of grouped in that, even though I might not think about, Mm -hmm. you know, Jokic having to deal with like family pressure and getting tickets to the game. But, you know, it's, it's kind of, he's got all the, he's got those brothers. He's the, the, he got to worry about that. They're going to get in fights. Yeah. They're going (laughs) to bum rush the the court. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, that's a good point. I, I didn't think about that, but I mean, the reason they lost that game is because they didn't adjust in the middle of the game and stop leaving Al Horford wide open. Well, it was almost like, and, and if I, you know, I would have to really rewatch that game to, to see, but it was almost like Draymond was like, we we sort of knew that we were going to win. And on, what didn't, when did Andre say? Andre said when they were down two to one, he knew the series yeah. was over. Yeah. So I wonder if they had that sort of thought in that game one where they're like, no, these guys aren't ready. Like we're going to just run through these guys. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they make big shots. And you're like, oh, that was uh, you know, we can't, think of it that way yeah i feel like draymond amongst like most players in the league like really you know you you uses that idea maybe a a little too much than than what it's warranted or or what it should be uh used as because like i mean i just feel like he was just trying to rattle them yeah like the entire like didn't he almost get into like a i think he got into a scuffle with jalen brown on like the first game to like set the tone like they got Um, leg locked or something yeah yeah like i think he just what we thought too is like okay you know who's it going to be oh grant williams is just going to miss wide open shots in the corner that's yeah. that's what's probably going to happen we're going to bet on that i think draymond like almost like thinks identical to that like he thinks yeah. that you know he could just rattle someone and, and take them out of their game and he talks about it in in this podcast where he's like when when uh jamal murray and Jokic were doing the two-man game jamal murray got two on him leaving Jokic wide open for the three-point line and draymond says what jamal should have done was give it to Jokic, mm-hmm. but 
Jamal, you know, went and still started dancing with two people on him and he took the shot and he missed it. And what most people would be doing, including Steph, I've seen Steph do this a couple of times. He pissed off. He didn't get the ball. They didn't yeah. throw the ball back to him. <laughs> and, like <laughs> maybe Steph doesn't do it with like a player of Jamal Murray's caliber. Like when KD was there, maybe he didn't do it. But you know, Anthony Lamb, like we saw him how many times he did it this year with Anthony Lamb or Jordan Poole. Like, damn, it's, give me the damn ball. Threw his dang mouthpiece when, when Jordan exactly. Poole didn't do it. But what Jokic did is that Jamal Jamal Murray's dancing, 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 two people on him. Jokic is wide open. Jamal Murray takes the shot and misses it. Jokic is like, oh, dang, like he almost had that. Like that's like the mentality yeah, that yes. like Jokic had instead yes. of like being like, oh, man, what the hell? And and Draymond says that's that championship winning level. Yeah, Draymond that said that mentality. stuff really matters when, when you're on a team. And, you know, Draymond himself, you know, he would probably say he, he had the tight butt cheeks in that finals until, you know, that he said Steph kind of bailed him out and put him put the entire team on his shoulders. The other thing before we get to the quote, I know I'm. I'm teasing a little bit here because, but stuff like this is, is interesting. And you don't hear this from the talking heads. You don't really hear this from like the ESPN kind of coverage. Cause they're so focused on like hot takes, but they both he and Kerr said the way that they would play the nuggets is to take away the head of the snake. And they consider Jamal Murray to be the head of the snake. I thought that was interesting. But did you see why with what they said? I thought that was in, like right when they said it, I was like, oh, that was a, like an ESPN, like Stephen A. Smith take. And then what yeah, they said after. Yeah, because Jokic is going to get his. Yeah, and exactly. If you they stop said Jamal Murray, then you stop both of them getting theirs. Yeah, that, that was the point, basically, was that Jamal Murray is the head of the snake because you can't, like, whatever you do, you're not stopping uh, Nikola Jokic. So stopping Jamal Murray, you know, that's that, that, that was kind of what they were talking about there. And, I thought that was like, yeah, that's something I just, you don't really, I guess, initially think of when you're, when you're, you know, listening to basketball takes and stuff like that. So I thought, yeah, that was interesting. I could listen to Draymond and Steve Kerr talk basketball specifically together for like five hours. Yeah, like I thought totally. they were just really good. Like Draymond by himself. I think I've listened to a couple Draymond podcasts, not too many. And I'm just not like, he, like he's not, to he's not the best conversationalist, but it's also hard doing a single person podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And then Kerr by himself, I don't think I could do it. Like he's just not like interesting with his voice. <laughs> well, I've but seen, and Kerr I've together seen Kerr really do something like a TED talk before. I've seen him actually do it twice in person. Didn't he do a podcast with like a like a coach with like Pete Carroll or something? Yeah, or with Bob yeah, or something? that flying high or whatever they called yeah. it. Um, I didn't listen, but I, but I've heard him as a guest, and if he has a host that leads him through it. It's very interesting. Yeah, but yeah just you're right. Lead. If he's he the host lead. and he's leading, it's probably not as great. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. That's indeed.com slash blue wire sports and support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? 
you need Indeed. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Okay, let's get to the quote. Within this podcast, he said, none of those guys on Miami are sitting there saying, well, I didn't play, or man, they put in so-and-so. They're just all about winning. And you know this from our groups that we've had. When you have that championship mentality, every guy is bought in. Every guy is just trying to win. Nobody, nobody cares about any of that stuff. You don't go in the locker room saying, well, I should have played more. You just want to win. Now, I'm, I'm an, I want your take, your, your, your hottest of your hot takes on, on what he's talking about. And I know that most people are like, oh, he's talking about Jordan. Oh, he's talking about Kaminga. And, and here's what my immediate, what, what came to mind. And, and you'll, you'll know who it is because I'll, I'll flash the, gr- the graphic here. I my mind immediately immediately came to Otto Porter and then secondarily Kavon Looney because Otto Porter came to the Warriors why to win a title essentially right to to get to a veteran team to improve his stock as a player to show his value and do it on, on the biggest lights in the in the biggest screen and he did so he did and he was so valuable in the final, so much so that he's starting some of these games as the power forward. And in order for him to do that, Kavon Looney has to be okay with going to the bench. And so I initially thought like, man, you know, Kerr, what Kerr was really missing on this team was the 2022 version of Otto Porter. And if he would have had that 22, 2022 version of Otto Porter, then the young players and dealing with the young players is a little lessened because you have that that extra vet. And that extra vet was supposed to be Jermichael Green, and he was the one complaining, at least according to sources, what we've read that you know Jermichael Green was not happy with this role. Supposed to be Dante DiVincenzo, but he's also a younger player trying to get that next contract. So maybe in that instance... You hope and wish and beg and plead that Otto Porter is can can be Jermichael Green, and that's just not what happened. And because of that, now the focus is on these younger guys to step into these roles. And so I know the instinct here is that he's talking about Poole, he's talking about Moody, he's talking about Kaminga. But to me, it's the absence of Otto Porter. But how did you take that? Yeah, I mean... I I think I went with the masses. That's where my mind went with Kaminga and Jordan. But I think I think it's a little bit of both there. And I think that's, you know, another something that we don't initially think of when having basketball discourse is that, you know, I think my initial take with Jermichael Green was like, oh, there's the Otto Porter Jr. replacement, a guy who's bigger, a guy who could rebound, and a guy who could potentially shoot threes. Now, if Jermichael Green played like he did in game two against the Lakers throughout the whole year, I would have been dead right. But what you don't, like factor in initially is that stuff where where Jermichael's has those quotes you know uh was it at the Sacramento series how he's pissed off he's not playing like like you would have never heard that from Otto 
at least it doesn't seem like it. he just seems like that guy who wanted to just go and win. Um, so the, like, yeah, like Otto's type of approach and behavior about this stuff is just like priceless. Like you want every guy to have that. But I do think that like <laughs> my hot take is that if I'm Bob Myers and like Joe Lacob and whoever else has like stake in or it's like our job or something, if and mm-hmm. I would have been like, I wish he told me this four years ago, like this exact quote, and we would have never done this two timeline thing. Like, I feel like this is such a two, anti two timeline quote, although I believe Steve Kerr is right. Like he is correct. I just don't think that like, I don't know. I just don't think that's the mentality like with the, with those young guys, because we've talked about it, how valuable it was to have, you know, just the energy that, that J- JTA and Damian Lee brought last year, not even playing, but on the bench, just like keeping the guys up yep. and and playing excited. Whereas this year, the guys weren't doing that because those guys were Moses Moody and Jonathan Kaminga, the young guys. And we were saying that, well, it's like, because like Damian Lee and JTA, like, aren't pouting on the bench because they know they shouldn't be in. They know there's an awareness there that they're, 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 they're knowledgeable enough to know like the guys playing in front of them are like more talented and better than them. But with Kaminga and Moody and all those other young guys, like, like Kaminga is undoubtedly more talented than Jermichael Green. Undoubtedly. Mm-hmm. Like you can't even question it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I just think, I don't know. I, I think that we're still questioning why Kaminga didn't get playing time against the Lakers. Yep. And I feel like that quote, you know, I don't know if that tells us more or tells us less, honestly. So about that decision. So I'm going to push back on Kerr's quote a little bit. I don't know if basketball works the same way that other teams work, where you have a role, you have a responsibility to your team and everybody has these responsibilities and it kind of brings this team up, right? Basketball entirely can be different because you have Steph Curry, but maybe that's the rock star engineer on the team or whatever. Some of this is getting these guys to buy into the role. Some of this is getting these guys to understand that, hey, if I buy in, this is going to be for the betterment of my career. And I don't know the kind of meetings that they have. I don't know how much Steve talks to these guys when it comes to role setting and when it comes to growth opportunities and when it comes to how do you get more playing time? But this is all coach and uh, managerial kind of stuff. I would love to know more about that part because, you know, you're dealing with younger players who they've been the Steph Curry of their teams all the way through high school and, you know, their first year of college, if they played college and they have to now learn a different way to play within the framework of a team at a very young age, even, even your best, uh, you, you know, your best number one draft pick, uh, uh, you know, on, on a crappy team, they're going to get way more touches, but at the same time, they're not going to win because they they don't know how to make their other players better. So it's like this weird thing with, with, with uh, young players in that, how do you teach somebody how to win? Like, how do you, if you're, if you're Kerr, like how do you teach Jonathan Kaminga to be a part of the bigger thing at play here? Like does one time NBA champion look better on Jonathan Kaminga's resume or does, 18 points a game and eight rebounds at the end of his fourth year of his contract look better. 
it's probably the points thing when it comes to the making money, but when it's all said and done, you know, he's going to remember that championship a lot. So that that's the part of the thing that I would love to learn more about. And I think the Warriors now we we've seen some basketball dynasties end. everyone talks about the bulls in, in 98 and you know, they, they decided that we're going to end this thing. We can't keep paying all of these players the money that they want. They're all getting older, and we don't want to get caught being the old team and getting our butts kicked and without the ability to restart. And it didn't work. They still haven't made it back to a finals since. Uh, we saw with the KD Warriors, KD leaves. They are the second with they get the second pick in, in the following year because they're so bad. So, you know, the, this whole thing about how, how to end it, you know, the Lakers, uh, Kareem retires, Magic goes back to the finals against Larry, against uh, Michael Jordan, and they don't win. And then it takes them a long time again. It takes Kobe and Shaq in 2001 to get back to the finals. So there's no, I don't know what the blueprint is, but I just would like to know, like, how do you set these guys up to a accept these roles that you believe are best for the team and best for them while at the same time giving them the things that they need to get better and grow in their role that's the piece that i just wish i you know i knew more about yeah i think that's that's a good point and you know i feel like if you're in like Kaminga's position or just some of the young guys position and you have a specific feeling about it but maybe it's not getting validated because like who's to tell the what did, what did Draymond keep saying on the podcast today? How many championships does Kerr have? Nine. Like, who's to tell that guy he's wrong, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, who's to tell the Warriors with this dynasty of, of you know, five or four rings or whatever they have, that they're wrong. So, or, or maybe, like, you know, you're not seeing it from my shoes or my perspective. Um, so, yeah, all that, stuff's, all that stuff's interesting. I just think Kerr's just not... Um, I just, I just, I feel like he has no interest really in this two timeline thing. Um, okay, but then what happens when Steph retires? Does Kerr also retire? Kerr moves. He goes to San Antonio. That's the rumor. <laughs> so, Wembenyama. You know, is that ultimately the play there? Though, is by the time you know he Wembenyama's young, they they're gonna have a young roster. That who knows if they'll be ready to to step in and and win. But that's the thing, though, is is Kerr not interested in growing in, in starting over and, and, and teaching young players or is he just not good at it? Well, he hasn't really had the opportunity, right? Or, but, but the that's other the knock on him. But yeah. the other thing is, is he's also underneath uh, a boss who's like, you know, we, we need playoff games. Like this is how we pay our roster. And if he goes, well, you know, cause we talked about this last week, you, you, you said, do can you lose one game extra and but in losing that one game Moses Moody gets more valuable minutes in in crunch time how how uh how many games could the warriors have lost before they would have <laughs> missed the playoffs or missed you know, or had to be a play in team like that's the this very small uh edge there for them to to straddle so maybe they couldn't do that. Like maybe that was really the the risk of doing that. Was he's like, man, if we if if we'd miss these playoffs, 
Like that's my job, right? Like that I could get fired. Like Bob might retire and I could get fired. And so that's the stuff that we don't know about. But um, yeah, I, I feel like Kerr's got like a longer would, leash on the this players team would have play and <laughs> that it happened. But maybe you have to think about that because what else has he said? I, I think this was on Tim Kawakami's podcast where he said, I know what it looks like out there. All of these really good coaches are getting fired. So I know that this isn't a lifetime job. And I think it's really different with like these guys, that. though. Like, I, I genuinely feel like like Kerr's got like the like a longer leash than like like Draymond. Or but when like, you have said the same thing about Bob Myers. But he didn't get fired. But I guess how do we know? <laughs> well, no, 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 no. I'm no, I agree with you that he didn't get fired, but it's pretty obvious that there were pressures there that maybe made him not as happy at his job, right? As, as he had been in the past, there are certain pressures and that could be Steve too. And, you know, some of this for Steve is he really had a second life with the health. Cause you remember his back was back. so messed up early on and now he feels healthy and he feels like he can really do this. So that's maybe some of his energy here, but you know, that, that there, it was there, it wasn't that long ago where we were like, you know, Mike Brown might be the coach of this team, you know, if Steve doesn't get any better. Right. So it's, I mean, the whole thing is fascinating to me. That's why I love talking about this stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think I have anything additional there. I just, I, I, when does free agency start? I think it starts July 1st. Yeah, I think so. Oh man. But there's not, there's not many great free agents out there. No, I know, but I just want to see, I don't know, maybe free agency kicks off some of the Warriors moves. Well, what do you think about the Chris Paul thing? Um, I don't know. I think my, my whole free agency dark horse take is that James Harden ends up on in Phoenix. Mm. So I feel like in order to do that, they have to do something with Chris Paul. But I mean, there's reports that like Chris Paul clears waivers goes back to Phoenix. So I, I I'm not entirely entirely sure there Wait, but so they would waive him he clears waivers he gets off money, of his contract and then pay and he him. signs like a one-year deal uh, yeah that wouldn't make sense huh it's kind of weird because he has a one-year deal i don't know uh, uh yeah. all right so do you have a prediction for the finals because by the time we do this again I i'm not counting uh i'm not counting them out but by the time we do this again it could be hasta la babae oh yeah because, uh, yeah, it would be there's a game tomorrow and then there would be a game Monday and then a game Thursday. Like like all all parts of me wants to say Denver in like five or six. Yeah. <laughs> but I just like would rather be wrong that I was over on the heat than under on the heat, I guess. So, yeah, I'm going to stick with Denver in seven. All right. Let's talk about uh, your next prospect for Ooh. Bryce Fitz. Is it Derek Whitehead? Derek. It's Derek. Okay. I, I wasn't sure about that. I was like, it looks like Derek, but it could be just an interesting way to say Derek. Yeah, Derek Whitehead, baby. Um, he is I he was one of my favorite prospects going into the college season. So there might be a little bias pick here, but he was like Derek Lively, they both went to Duke. And like Derek Lively, he and Derek Lively were like one and two on the high school 
rankings, high school top 100 rankings going into college. And we all know that the Warriors love those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but but with Dariq is that he fractured his foot. Yeah. I, I want to say at like the start of the college season. Um, so they kind of really like it's a very PBJ like story. Top mm-hmm. high school recruit gets a major injury. You know, it messes with his college season. Um, but I think the reason why. You know, I'm actually going to I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to step back a little bit here because the light years posted a tweet today or posted a or yesterday or it was it was some clip of their podcast and, and their approach to the draft. Their mentality is kind of what like I've been doing in a sense, but I didn't really like say it. They've been they were they were saying something like, you know, just like they should the Warriors should just try to hit singles in this draft. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't try to go for the home run or something. And I think I've been kind of doing that, but the guys I've been trying to hit singles with also still have a little bit of upside. We talked about Chris Murray, the first, my first one. And he, you know, his twin brother is someone who, if he was on the Warriors, we'd probably pick him to go to the finals. That's Mm -hmm. how, you know, how much promise his twin brother has. And twins are usually around the same talent level, but you know, Chris, so that, that was my little upside. Like, can he become a version of Keegan? My next one was, what about the Cavender twins? Have you seen them? (laughs) yeah yeah nil deals man Mm -hmm. um and then my next one was Derek lively who i think can seamlessly be a single at at, at, like his worst but you know there's a little bit of upside if he could hit the three-point shot at a decent clip like that's a that's a that's a home run and then i think it was jordan hawkins where this guy's a shot creator but if he turns into like some type of two-way player that's you know a single but then now it's a home run so i'm kind of at the same point here with Derek whitehead i feel like this is a semi-relatively solid floor type of prospect but because of where he what he did in high school like i feel like there is like a all-star type of ceiling and i mean this is just a guess but i watched his high school stuff like he again one of my favorite prospects going into college because i watched all these guys the top seven high school prospects like i watched like all their high school stuff it was like him Derek lively cam whitmore uh both thompson twins before they went to ote um, and then Nick Smith Jr., who was was all these guys I watched their high school tape of. And Dariks was so interesting to me because he's like a six, 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 seven like ball handler who's, you know, creating his own shot off the dribble, creating separation, hitting tough shots with defenders in his face, has a has a good three-point shot, is a really solid athlete. Like he was someone who just legitimately did it all in high school. And the mm-hmm. high school he went to was Mont Vern, which is like the top high school in Florida, top high school in the world for basketball. It's the one that Moses Moody, Scotty Barnes. And Cade Cunningham went to it's the one that Ben Simmons, RJ Barrett, uh, a lot of players went went to this high school and he was like the lead dog in that high school. So I just had a lot of stock in him going into college. He gets hurt into college and then he comes back and he's slow. He's lost a step mm-hmm. and that's worrisome. But I feel like he transitioned pretty well into being like, OK, I'm going to take up this role and not try to be the lead ball handler, not try to be the guy who's going to go get a bucket. I'm just going to shoot, uh, catch, catch and shoot threes and play defense. And so that's why I feel like he has a relatively high floor because it feels like he seamlessly transitioned into a three and D type of prospect at six, six. But I feel like there's a ceiling there because I think one of the hardest things to do, like you can't just, you, I, I, I feel like you, you usually majority of the time either have the shot creation ability or you don't like, you can't teach someone who's never had that wiggle or had that ability to create a shot. I don't think that's someone, something you could teach them at the NBA level. I think it's something they had to be really elite at leading up to the NBA. Like 
who's a good example, like Draymond even like, you know, he did a little bit of shot creation. The funny thing, like in summer league, you see some of his summer league clips, like, wait, he's doing fadeaway stuff. What the hell is not the Draymond we know, but you could tell like, it's not a hundred percent coordinated. And it's yeah. like, to me, like you either have that wiggle or you don't. And Derek has it. He just got hurt and like was really stunted in that area. So I just feel like if you want to bet on someone, you know, I think KOC's got him in like the late twenties. KOC's been yeah, moving 20, him all across the board. Twenty-seven in the latest big board. Yeah, uh, KOC had him as like a. I think it was a Lance Stevenson comp at first, but now he switched to like a Lonnie Walker comp. I see like a offensively. I I see offensively like a and a defensively like a version of like Alonzo Ball. Alonzo Ball, who at this point of his career, obviously not the injured part of him, but you know, in Chicago and and during the later Pelicans years, he was essentially just a connective playmaker, a tall six, 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 seven point guard who made the right plays and just played hard defense and, you know, was just setting up his guys. I feel like although Derek's not a point guard, same size can do that connective playmaking stuff. And it's going to be a solid defender. But, um, you know, I just feel like he then has that also that upside. I see like some Josh green in him too, where Josh green went to my school was this top touted high school prospect. I don't know if he got injuries or something or just didn't translate, but yeah, he fell to the draft like in the teens. And now he looks like, you know, if he did a redraft, probably top 10. He's just high energy role player. Like, I feel like Derek can be like that high energy spark plug role player that, you know, makes those Moses, even Moses Moody, like those hustle type plays, those winning type plays. Well, there's one thing. If you read KOC, NBA drafts dot the Uh The first thing of his pluses is like, Exactly something the Warriors could use. Good athlete with ambidextrous at-rim finishing ability does a solid job of scoring while absorbing contact. And, you know, the Warriors didn't really have too many people who could get to the rim and, and score at the rim. Uh, but on his minuses, so you, we ta- you talked about the fractured foot. It looks like he just recently had a second surgery that puts him... Uh, closer to the, uh, I guess, ready for for training camp. But you you never know. Feet injuries make you a, a little nervous. So I that my guess is that's why he's so far down this list is because I think teams will probably be a little nervous about somebody who has a foot injury. Though, because we talked about this last uh, last time, you don't really need him. Need him. Because the Warriors is just such a vet-laden team. So if he did have some, if he did need some time, you know, you could sit him out a little bit and it wouldn't really, really hurt the Warriors. But it would be nice to have somebody who could step in and, and do some things for them. Uh, improved dramatically as a shooter off the catch his freshman season at Duke, making 45.3% of spot-up threes. And with a high release, he isn't disturbed by hard closeouts. Uh, plays hard, intense defense, and has the IQ and awareness to match. On ball, he plays physically against Garden Wings, giving him scheme versatility. So those things sound really good. But here's the other minus from KOC. Lacks advanced ball handling moves. He's barely Jaylen. basic at this stage with crossovers and step backs. He needs to incorporate more change of pace to get to the rim or simply allow himself to slow down and read the floor to activate more of his playmaking. So that that kind of contradicts, um, you know, I, I guess he's finishing on the break maybe as a receiver of a pass versus creating off of the break, which is where you see Jordan Poole get his. So that that's an interesting contradiction for somebody who's going to have to play 
wing because he's only 6'6 and 193. He'll have to play some two guards. So not being able to handle is a little tough. Yeah, I think before the injury, I was like, this guy's just like a going to be an oversized two guard because I feel like that's been my, you know, you want to predict what the next level of the NBA looks like or the next era. Like, I think my what championship teams are going to consist of is guys who are play above their their position in terms of well, are, are taller for their position, but still can play down in like, for, for example, Clay Thompson, six, seven shooting guard. Uh, tall for his position, but you know, can can guard down, can also still guard the two guard and guard. That's what made Clay so impressive. But I feel like that is the 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 next wave of of my of my uh, NBA predictions is just guys who who are taller than their given size, but can still have defensive versatility. Like, so I feel like uh, Derek, you know, pre college was going to be that for a two guard, but I guess you know, losing a step in college definitely you know doesn't totally bode well for that um i don't know it's just i think if you go Derek whitehead i think my thing is like i'm still convinced they're trading the pick mm-hmm. but if there's a world where wait know, are we sure that they can trade the pick we have not figured this out yet <laughs> we just need to figure this out <laughs> and it's maybe I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna look it up i'm gonna I'm just do a google search i'm gonna you know i'm gonna go chat gpt can the warriors <laughs> trade their 2023 first round pick and we'll see what happens since they owe their 2024 first round pick to the Memphis Grizzlies, they are not allowed to trade their first yeah, it, round pick this year, according to Golden State of Mind. So it'd have to they'd have to select the player. Yeah, have an agreement and with the then team before trade the, to a team. Yeah. So that's and, what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, I think that I think if there's a world that I where I don't want it to happen, but if there's a world where, you know, it's package Jordan Poole, Jonathan Kaminga, and like future picks for a player. And it's like, we're going to retain this pick. Then I think they could go um, like try to hit a home run. Like, I don't think then that this pick is, is uh, cause I, I feel like if they go, if they go for another project, who's, who's going to be like a PBJ and, and not play throughout the season, like they can't afford another one of those guys, especially on this roster with how many guys they already have like that. Like who's to say PBJ can even play next year for this team. And he is owed a roster spot. Rollins is owed a roster spot. Moses Moody, who finally started getting playing time, but we'll see what Kerr does is owed a roster spot. Jonathan Kaminga as well. So it's just, you can't go ceiling pick guy who's not ready to contribute right now if everyone on the roster comes back but if you were to open up some of those project players and move them and then try another project then i could see where a uh, Tariq whitehead uh gg jackson some of those some of those uh potential you know high ceiling players but but low floor players can come into play um and not to say Derek, that would kind of throw off my argument here not to say Derek's totally low floor but i just i really think like he has like this potential high ceiling Maybe top 10 ceiling wise in a draft, but when it comes to the realistic ceiling, I wouldn't say top 10. It's just, I can't help but not, you know, maybe going into the Wiseman spell, I can't help but not, you know, see what I saw him do in high school and think that he's still capable of something like that. All right, so we have uh, three other ones. If you haven't heard the full podcast and you want to just listen to the segments on the three players, you can go to the YouTube uh We'll, I'll, uh, I'll flash this here. You can go to the YouTube channel at youtube.com front slash at BSPN. And we have Chris Murray, who's week one. 
Derek Lively, the second, was week two, and Jordan Hawkins was the third one. So this is our fourth one, and we'll have another one next week. And then the following time that we do the show will actually be uh, around the time of the draft. So uh, yeah. I think we'll have one more, and you'll, you'll have some time to think of who that person is yeah. so you can get ready for your best one yet. I think in all those first three picks, I've been like with the mindset that they're going to keep the pick um and and you know use the pick as like a roster spot like actually like to to play on the team this year like that that that's you know like what Lightyear said hitting singles mm-hmm. i think this is the first pick that i've done and i wanted to go a different route as well with another type of high ceiling doesn't know if I, he can contribute this season but is a good player to like just like keep keep an eye on and bet on um, but, but yeah, Derek probably falls more into that category of like, okay, they have gotten rid of some projects. They could use a project player in their system that can go and play in the G league or can go and just not ha- totally have a role this season. Mm-hmm. Um, Derek's probably the first one of that category that I've selected so far, although I still think he can kind of contribute. He just might not totally fit in what they got going on right now. But those other three, Chris Murray, Derek Lively, Jordan Hawkins, all three of those guys can seamlessly like come in right now and play I, is what I think. All right. Well, we're going to cut this one. Look, these these shows in the offseason can be a little bit shorter because, you know, now we'll do some around free agency and around training camp and all that stuff. We'll we'll, we'll get back to longer shows. But right now, not a ton of news, um, but we'll be back next week talking about whoever else is uh, part of the uh, Bryce Fitz here and uh, whatever news comes out for the Warriors. So for now, we will... Talk to you later for Brian MWG. See you when we see you. Peace out. When you drive the most dependable mass market brand, you can stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see yourself behind the wheel of the number one most dependable mass market brand three years in a row by J.D. Power. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Kia received the fewest reported problems among mass market brands in the J.D. Power 2021 to 2023 U.S. Vehicle Dependability Studies. 2023 study based on 2020 models. See jdpower.com slash awards for 2023 details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.